0: episode of the coffee protocol podcast this is your host barista on bike coffee educator and consultant i hope you guys are enjoying the episode so far again this week we have another interesting episode it is to do with coffee but definitely with a little different take on it again so this episode is with harshita based out of madhya pradesh in a forest she also runs a resort and a small coffee shop there. And I, I was really fascinated with a lot of things that were happening there in the middle of practically nowhere. I really wanted to get her on podcast and talk about a lot of things. So here it is. I live in a forest,
1: but let me tell you it's not as easy as it sounds, go f- do your work yourself. I'm sorry, am I supposed to swear on the podcast? Can I? I have never tasted a sweeter banana in my life. I am having my headaches. I'm like, I need my coffee, I can't live without it. So, hi guys, this is Harshita. Um, my, my own introduction would begin with uh, the basic that where, where I live, because that is the most important and interesting part of my being right now. I live in a forest, and this is the Page Tiger Reserve. And I'm living a life away from uh, a lot of cafes I would like to visit and from um, all the madness that is going out on right now in the world as well. So it's a very nice, peaceful place to have your own journey, an inward journey or uh, however you like to put it. So that's about it. I'm doing the things I love. I am, you know, at my own pace. It's a very slow life and I'm enjoying it thoroughly.
0: Nice, Uh, not a lot of people can actually say that I live in a forest. That is something uh, different and something so unique. But how did you end up being or living in the forest?
1: So uh, this is a result of a lot of extremes. And um, to come to this conclusion that this is the kind of life I want, we had to be in the fast lane, in the madness once, to realize that, um, okay, that is not how I want to you know go on at the pace all my life so I've lived in various countries and cities in worked in very fast-paced work environments and uh, it was after I had my first kid that we wanted to understand that how do we give you know balance both the things and that's when it began began occurring to us that there has to be another you know there has to be an alternative to um, ignoring the child versus uh, working as much as we would like to do like a little bit of flexibility and that's where this opportunity happened to come in and uh, we were in the right place I'd say we were very lucky that uh, it just happened for us and we were in the right frame of mind to really take that plunge and move on so um I think it was just a stroke of luck for us that, yeah, this landed on our doorsteps the day we really were think, overthinking and, you know, just not happy with how long can you be working till 12 in the night, then go to a party, then be back at 4 a.m. and still be there for your child. And, you know, how long? This, this kind of made us stop and think, and we are here.
0: And um, so I'm... Uh when you like decided finally that, you know, this is what we're going to do, we're going to go um, away from the city life as we speak yes. and then yes. um, go into a quieter place. But that transition, was the transition easy it, or?
1: No, not at all, not at all. So a lot of people come up to us and they say, oh, we wish we could live like you or we, we have thought about this a hundred times. We want to make a switch, we want to move. But let me tell you, it's not as easy as it sounds or as romantic as it sounds it comes with its own set of challenges and with the little one in our toe it was even more difficult because we were very used to the set of you know things and ac- accessibility to a doctor or a pharmacy things like these do not exist the infrastructure when we came like 7 years ago was terrible there were frequent power cuts there were you know now that we are here we maintain the place of, quite a bit based on our own preferences and because we live here as a family. So there are a lot of things that we do additionally to what a property owner would usually do. So now it's a little more livable. Now there is geo, there is a, a network. We did not even have a phone network. Then can you believe that? So my parents would not be able to reach us for days and during that quiet is when we actually started enjoying that okay there is a possibility of this That you know I can reach out to people when I want to and I can totally be disconnected if I want to. so it keeps on you know unless you don't go through this you would not understand if you enjoy it or not so yes you should give it a try if you're thinking on the same lines but uh, maybe it w- won't you know last that infatuation won't last for long. You might just, after four days or five days, you say, okay, fine, this is it. This is how long I can take the silence. And now I want to go back to my city life.
0: The first couple of days are good, right? Because it is different. You are trying to focus. No,
1: can you believe it? My first question when I arrived here was, can I get a cup of coffee? Because I was so unsure that would they have milk here or not? (laughs) This is a forest. And I was like, do you have coffees at all? She's like, yes, ma'am, we have everything you need. And I was like, ah, thank God. So I'll at least not get a bloody headache of not drinking a cuppa. So yeah, bad coffee, but at least there was some. And then from those uh, bad coffee days to figuring out how I can enjoy my cup here in the village, in the jungle without really, uh, you know, breaking my bank, we've come a long way.
0: So when you started, I'm assuming it was mostly instant coffee when you...
1: Oh, yes. That. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. That's- for for the longest time, it was instant coffee. But this was only in the jungle. okay. So before that, I have to tell you, I have been exposed to very good coffees in the world. <laughs> that was uh, while I was studying abroad. And uh, the first time I went to a Starbucks or a Costa, And my friends are like, they're enjoying the coffee. And I'm like, ha, we get a very good coffee in India. I was in love with CCD, you know. (laughs) So I was, um, yeah, comparing the two and was not happy with the um, dark coffees there. But then I saw the difference, how um, they were celebrating coffees really. Like, okay, so this is a certain brew and this comes from a certain area or a certain country. And I got to know more about um, the bean really out there, much more than I'd ever seen here. Okay. Yeah, so that, uh, of course, it stays in your head, right? So, like, okay, your palate was introduced to newer things and you're exposed to uh, a variety that I did not know existed. So, frappe was our go-to for the longest time <laughs> in our lives.
0: I think that is that is the scene with most of us, right? Like, like for example, when CCD, I mean... Um, I would say even when I was growing up, CCD was the thing. Even exactly. CCD uh, initially, personally to me, was out of my reach in terms of how expensive it was at that point. And,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: And and you would go there and mostly it was either the frappe or the iceberg or whatever that thing was. Yeah, and
1: yeah. I we all see.
0: thought of coffee to be like that, right? Because that's yes. how it was. It but
1: was, I think it was a good introduction because uh, you... For any switch, I mean, from a non-drinker to a whiskey or, you know, wine or anything, the first step, if it is a little milder, it is, it's a nice introduction, nice way to introduce. You might not be very discouraged by the sudden flavors that your tongue would come across. So,
0: yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I totally respect ccd a lot to bring that to our country bring that
1: culture i think it's a good thing because uh, before that what with indian coffee house the filter coffee i think that's that was the standard right yeah so there are that also was
0: not accessible to a lot of places it was in a very selected places right
1: so from my childhood i've had the best times at indian coffee house because that was, uh, you know, Sundays. Hain, but my papa would take us to an Indian coffee house for our dosa fakes and everything, and fresh whip of, you know, the smells were amazing. So you
0: know, nice. Like, see, I I a lot of
1: recollection. You know how coffee goes, right? So a lot of it is your nose. It is how you smell and perceive things rather than just taste. It comes it is. later. I think it's just the nose first. So, good recollections of the. Indian coffee house, CCD, then Starbucks. I'm fighting with somebody who loves Starbucks. Then I'm like, no, CCD crappies are the best. <laughs> so nice from there.
0: No, but yeah, I mean, so I grew up in Vijarat. We didn't have Indian coffee house. so it mm-hmm. was either the instant coffee at home, yeah, or if you were a little privileged, you might mm-hmm. have like a South Indian filter coffee maker at home. So that wow. was the level of privilege uh, that I was pairing uh, mm-hmm. most of us with. And mm-hmm. that also was mostly if you are from a South Indian background or a South Indian okay. culture background. If not, then exactly. South Indian filter coffee never existed. It was either the instant coffee or the next step, the CCD or one of those cafes yeah. around.
1: Quite a big gap, yeah.
0: CCD, thank you uh, very much for bringing that culture. I mean, only then we went on to other we things. We went
1: on to, yes, yes.
0: Right. No, so so you were already uh, exposed to a lot of uh, good coffee and specialty coffee outside Outside, and then then when you uh, came back so you came back to India and that's when you decided you're gonna go to this place or you spent no
1: I was uh, for two years I was in Bombay then uh, I was in Indore working for a company UK based company and they had our uh, events planning company and uh, ad agency in Indore and that's where it was madness deadlines to meet and we are on our honeymoon and we are working and we're like how long can this go on and yeah so that had started to set in the tone was already there that listen this is not keeping us uh, excited about the next day so this can't go on yeah th- th- this switch came a little later but um, just well timed I think perfectly timed for us nice
0: so you now so this is let's say seven years ago that you moved in right yes seven years ago when you moved in that was 2014
1: 14 that's right
0: yeah 2014 uh you finally decide to go and live in the forest you have instant coffee now yes. if you wanted to have anything else yeah what was the resort would you have to like travel somewhere or Or ask somebody to get something? What was it?
1: No. So I have to tell you, I've been pretty scared of experimenting it on my own. I was very happy if I could go to a cafe and get served. But uh, making it myself seemed like a big challenge for the longest time. It was only, I think, uh, four years ago when uh, I went to Nagpur. And there was this session with uh, Corridor 7 where... Mm -hmm. Uh, I learned the basics of how to cup it and how to make my own cup with different, uh, you know, equipments. And so by then, I had also started a very uh, conscious journey of keeping it zero waste, low waste, you know, in my uh, everyday living. So then I, out of all the options available, I chose the one which seemed the most uh, eco-friendly to me. So I started with my French press. And uh, that has stuck even now. But I I do enjoy the whole process of, you know, slowly grinding it and uh, making my five-minute of cup. And it's amazing how the smells are there. And it's fun.
0: The entire ritual is like so amazing. Yes, yes. It
1: is very meditative for me. It's like my time, you know, from the madness that I go through with the two kids, it's this is my own time to indulge. And that's all the indulgence I re- really need on a daily basis to really keep myself up and going. I love
0: it. We started with the French press. Uh, French press, to me, is one of the most versatile, most simple Absolutely. brewing equipment. Absolutely. Uh, if I if I do get my hands on a French press, and probably some, if I have a grinder, and if I can grind my own beans, good, that's nothing good. like it. But if even if I don't have it. I would not mind getting pre-ground French press uh,
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: size uh, ground coffee and then just make a French press a couple of times a day. I don't know, depending on where and how much I'm drinking coffee. But Absolutely. I think French press is a good start uh, for a lot of people to begin with. I mean, yes. A, as you said, you do not have...
1: I don't want to use the filters... Exactly. and all the coffee that's left over i use it for scrubs and for my plants and it goes back to the soil mm-hmm. so nothing's wasted really nice and
0: so you started with the french press and then you started so how did you how were you used to getting the coffee like if you just making so
1: french every travel we would have i would go get my fix and bring it bring and keep some with me um, nobody was really delivering it then. Only it's it's been three years that uh, Amazon and other people have started uh, delivering here. So no you know what, the, 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 the process inside. was even... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the process was longer then. When we had moved in, if I needed diapers for my child, I would order them to my location in Indore. Everything would get collected over the next week, all my orders. Then all of them would be put in a big box and sent to Sydney in a bus and then somebody from sydney would get it to uh, the nearest location being kawasa and then from kawasa we would go and pick it and bring it here so the whole process had to be like a 15 day process logistically wow. we have been super challenged for the longest time wow
0: yeah that's a so lot
1: you, of you know this this actually yeah it's pre planning and it stops you from having instant cravings or you know impulse buying you plan and you just have to executed in like 15 days so any kinds of uh instant uh, cravings that you have that i really want to eat so and so right now it cannot happen so it's a good practice for your mind yeah you i, I mean
0: <laughs> i get that because the moment i walk into a store i get like so that is something that i've realized uh, something that I read that you should never go into a store empty, empty stomach. stomach.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, this is something I realized only last year. And last year, like every time I, I, I probably read about it, and then every time I had to plan to go to the store, I made sure I ate well before I went because I didn't want to do any buying of Involved anything buying. or of any cravings.
1: Yeah. That you
0: know, okay, like I'm hungry, I might eat this, I might eat ten of these, I don't know. So I tried doing that. The other thing that I've really started doing is. Uh, So if I go into a store and I know what I want to buy, Hmm. I do not carry a basket or a trolley.
1: Perfect.
0: hold it in my hand because I know I cannot hold more than that. So So the kind of
1: journey that you were on with a bike, that is, I think, again, a practice of self-discipline that you know you can't carry too much with you. You can't carry over a certain uh, weight. So you restrict your... You know, impulse purchases. You would not buy even if you like something. You think twice that okay, can I really carry it with me in my journey ahead? So on the same lines, when we can't get an instant gratification, you would stop. That does it really serve me in the long run, or is it just that something I need? You know, for a quick fix. Correct. So you are using your brain instead of just you know looking your looking through your eyes and like okay, I need this, I need that. It's like too much capitalism in the world
0: <laughs> but that's what happens that's what happens even when you go on the amazon site right That you look at so many yes. things and yes. you add to cart add to cart add to cart you're exactly. like okay i don't need all of these things but you still keep on buying right and
1: so in i must a way, be their is- only customer who have can who has canceled quite a few of their orders after placing mm-hmm. because when i'm buying i'm like okay i need this i need that but then i see okay it will be delivering in like 10 days i'm like okay cancel order yeah. we don't need it <laughs>
0: nice so uh, okay so coming back to the coffee um, orders so you used to um, like get the order supplied on a pre-planned 15-day thing where you would get a box and then you would have the coffee so you would have this coffee pre-ground yes
1: yes to make it simpler yeah I would keep it pre-ground and get smaller packets of different varieties to try okay so but my worst uh, time has been by the way in bangalore you would say it, it it must be having the best coffees and i imagined that and i went i did not carry anything with me not a french press nothing on my hands and i reached I'm like are bahut coffees milenghi, why should i carry anything uh, unluckily i was in a part of bangalore which only served us teas <laughs> and I am having my headaches i'm like i need my coffee i can't live without it and this was i think three years ago and i have since started carrying my instant coffee sachets in my bag forever you'll find one sachet in my bag even today even if i'm not going anywhere because i just don't want to be in a situation like that again That like, you know i don't have access to a cup okay terrible
0: yeah i mean bangalore uh, yeah. We were
1: quite far from the city so i won't really say in bangalore Uh, I had to travel quite a bit to find the nearest uh, coffee place.
0: But even in general, Bangalore is sort of like a tricky place because the entire country thinks that Bangalore has the best coffee. Um, Why
1: did I think so? I don't know. (laughs)
0: Because it is closer no, to the coffee-growing cities, right?
1: Like yeah, so now I don't think of it like that at all. And the people I was with, they were so ashamed of it, I can't even begin to tell you. They kept on apologizing for all of Bangalore that we're so sorry you did not get good coffee. That they, you know, actually made up for it by the end of the trip. They got me coffees from wherever they could stores. they like, okay, a friend of ours grows this coffee down there and you can take this with you. i like, okay, thank you. Ah, uh,
0: well. Yeah, I mean, there are some good places for sure, but I think uh, it also has a lot of culture of roadside coffee, like the filter copies. That is something uh, that is pretty well established in Bangalore. And mm-hmm. then, of course, there are some good coffee shops that do serve good coffees. And then there are some not so great coffee shops. Uh, but that is there in every city, so... Uh, really cannot uh, complain but yeah bangalore does have this image of being yes. a place where it could get like you should be getting the best of the coffees. You're should, you should getting yeah. coffees everywhere in bangalore which is uh, a little challenging uh, yeah and moving on from there uh, but yeah so when you started getting a pre-ground coffee
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: who were your initial roasters that you got coffee from
1: so they were the famous ones out there yeah so for the uninitiated, it is always I think it is safer that I I would choose the, the bigger brands that I. Correct. And then of course there was the one I learned from in Nagpur. Okay. so All the supplies were from. Uh,
0: I I did see blue Tokai blue tokai right. when I was there because yes. I mean and it is normally safer when you go to a newer place. Absolutely. Like if you see a blue Tokai packet, you know what to expect and like what to get. Yes. And then... so,
1: so even at our cafe, we started with Blutokai. We kept a few uh, local brands, local in the sense that are uh, near us. So, I, okay. so it kept a good mix of things going for the ones who... So in the lockdown, a lot of people who were very well exposed to coffee, they started coming down to Page. People who usually would go on their travels abroad were restricted to being in the country. And they came to explore Page for the first time. And uh, these were the people who actually uh, were, you know, appreciated this uh, very well. They took it very well, and they knew about different things and the names of uh, different roasts as well. So we were uh, very happy that um, we got to meet people like that. And uh, then uh, I also like the whole concept of the easy poor, you know, yeah. which I think was also a result of the lockdown for quite a few people to experiment with their coffees and it's a, again like I said that frappe was a good starting point and similarly this easy pour is a nice starting point you get a whole mixed bag where you can try okay what's a light roast what's a darker brew? blue and how can I you know which one is the one that I would really like in the long term and you get to choose so I like that idea of introducing people to that.
0: Correct and it's it's simpler to use as well you can just open it up, put it in your cup, and then do the entire shebang of doing that
1: Absolutely. entire thing. We and leave it all to the guest. By the way, for at our cafe, we don't really uh, pre-make anything. We give it to them. Like, go ahead. You know, make it the way you would want to. And they enjoy the process thoroughly. It's a lot of pomp and show for them for, like, next 5-10 minutes. Like, very busy. Okay, I'm making my own cup. The smells are amazing, of course. So, it keeps you... Yeah.
0: And the the more the person is involved in doing something, um, psychologically, normally, you would also like that stuff a lot more because you've done something to it. Yes. Like it's like,
1: like the Ayurvedic concept. Have you heard of engaging all your senses to eat? Yes. So it always says you have to engage all your senses. That is the best way to eat anything correct i think it it, in, it uh, goes well with coffees as well you are keeping your eyes and hand in the sounds of uh, you know the
0: grinding water the water yes. pouring everything yes. and it's just yes. yeah it's magic. Yeah. that is that is actually an interesting concept i remember once we did uh, a, a dine in the dark mm-hmm. uh, i think it was in switzerland or france i don't remember but yeah we we had gone there for an experience and so, obviously, they would they would just have no light whatsoever. You cannot see anything. Um, the waiters there were blind. Okay. So they were trained on footsteps and uh, listening to people's voice, how they're ordering and stuff like that. And you would get simple food. Mm-hmm. You would get simple food on your plate, like mm-hmm. baked potatoes and probably um, something made out of some vegetables and one meat. And you have to literally touch the food smell Uh, the food before you eat it because you cannot literally see anything right so your other senses are heightened or deliberately you are trying to heighten it so that you can experience, see, smell what you are eating
1: absolutely I agree we had this um, art of living session once I was young then I remember 16 year old and we were asked to close our eyes and we were given a banana each to eat I have never tasted a sweeter banana in my life you are there, one with the banana, and you're eating it. Oh God! So you, this all this sounds very weird to people who are very busy. I think the fun is in slowing down and enjoying things, really being there, focusing on them, and you know, taking it one step at a time. I think now COVID has given us all that, all of us that time, and I think everybody should in, indulge in these. Get your that senses. And I,
0: and I think that is. Um... Very interesting. You mentioned slowing it down because one of the new cultures in coffee is all about slow coffee. Oh, earlier it was.
1: I am in totally in this.
0: <laughs> you make quick coffees. You make espressos. You make cappuccinos. Now the there are there are a lot of places around the world where the concept of slow coffee is getting in, wherein oh. you will not get anything immediately. You'll just mm-hmm. wait. You'll get that perfect pour over in let the next five minutes. You get a nice French press in four and a half, five, six minutes. I don't know uh, or you get even even if it's a espresso, we mm-hmm. be ask because I mean they suggest now to wait for a uh, while before you consume your espresso. so mm-hmm. you, you take the espresso, let it cool down a little. So it's all about the concept is all about slowing it down and
1: well it is i'm all in you know we do this at the cafe as well we have no pre ground coffee at the cafe also so we actually once the order is received we ask them to choose their bean and we grind them right there and we of course it takes us a while but the whole experience it's like i said it's so meditative and i said when you're here on a holiday why hurry why what's the rush you know just relax chill read a book there's nowhere to go, really. Just have your cup in peace.
0: Uh, just chilling is like the thing, right? Just chill, you know, just enjoy. Exactly.
1: People so have lost your,
0: that. Coming to your cafe. Yeah. Now, I am assuming uh, the resort that you guys run, mm-hmm. uh, that came in first and then came the cafe, correct? Yes, yes. When did you start the cafe? When did the idea of cafe start, like, popped up in your head?
1: So I have been a baker all my life. I've been a chocolatier back in my in the old days. And uh, when we moved here, we shut all of that over a period of one month. There was no time, like, you know, we took this call and we said, yeah, this is it. So everything was shut. We closed our shops. We closed everything, sold everything. are like, we're leaving, that's it. People were like, what happened? Why did you, <laughs> this sudden switch? But we understood that this is our calling when you're leaving, that's it. So here when we came, there was a big gap in what we were doing there and what we could do here because the availability of things was uh, like i said pretty scarce there was uh, infrastructure not in place and things so it took us quite a bit two three years to really understand the local requirements and see how we can complement that and the last Two years ago is when I started a shop first with things that were growing locally, getting the local artisans on board, basically a place where you come in and see all of page, all that page has to offer in one store. And along with it, we started uh, our bakery where we were doing all the cakes and uh, desserts for the guests of all the resorts and for anybody who just walks in and needs a cake. So, and to complement that is where I basically I'll say it's it was more uh, selfish motor that I really wanted people around who could talk coffee and have enjoy a kappa with me because it's been a lonely journey so far I've had nobody around who enjoys a cuppa like you know even can talk interestingly about it for 15 minutes on a go so yeah it has been quite lonely but now I do have interesting people who I meet on this, you know, who talk same like me or even, you know, can teach me a few things about it. So, yeah, then we started this last year, right after the lockdown, actually. So it was in the making for quite a while, but it was started last year. And I'm pretty happy with the response we've got so far. It's been a learning curve for us because what we had imagined it to be it gave us quite a lot more out of, you know, from what we had imagined it to be. It's
0: doing much exactly. better. So right after lockdown, uh, you thought, you know, this should be up. And it should you started up. the cafe. So this, is, this cafe is located right next to the shop that you started up, correct? Yes, yes. And uh, this is, how far is it from the resort?
1: Um just a kilometer away, actually. Not okay, too yeah. nice. I mean, it's right in the middle, so people from you know all over can really visit us. They see us while they are moving around for the safaris and all.
0: Correct. And uh, like, if I'm not wrong, if even if you do go to other resorts or most of the other resorts, you do yeah. pass by that junction. Yes,
1: yes. One that plus, mm, I would say none of the resorts. Is you know, are serving any uh specialty coffees or desserts or anything that we are offering at our cafe right now. Correct. That was also one important factor to consider because if uh, you know there are guests who stay here for safaris for six, six days and they get quite done. People have come in and they're like, Thank God for you, God bless you, and God knows what all because I'm serving them coffee. Imagine that.
0: Coffee so my selfish motive.
1: I'm I'm very happy when I'm there and I'm making that cup for them and like, God bless you. Thank you for you. Wow. <laughs> My job's done here. That's what I wanted.
0: Nice, nice, nice. But do you also serve the same coffee in your resort or just at the cafe? Uh,
1: no, no, we don't.
0: Okay. So the audience
1: has. is very different and uh, here most people in this part of the country are tea drinkers and they want the teas to be made in the right color and with the right spices and things like those. So, Correct. we stick to that. We keep the chai game up here. <laughs> but coffees are uh, still, you know, once, um, like if in 10 rooms, maybe one coffee drinker. So
0: okay. But you can always suggest them to go to the cafe. Right?
1: We do that. We do that. The day they arrive, we tell them everything that is available here and can be accessed at the uh, cafe and people from all all over the other resorts also come in for the food novelties because uh, you're getting the same meal over and over and the kids and people who come from the cities they're kind of used to what else i mean this is enough of indian food up next we have to give them the options
0: you also have this and we also do have. So you do serve coffee. I, from what I remember, you do have. You did have a couple of options for pour overs. So yes. French press and pour overs, and there uh, a couple of bean option, and then you had a couple of uh, the easy pour over bag. Yes,
1: and yes. some cold brews now. And some
0: cold brews now. Yes. Wow. Uh, and along with this, what what are the food items that you serve?
1: So the food, uh, we keep it very uh, light and fresh. Uh, most of it is based on the bakery that we have. It is uh, pizzas and pastas, and we would do some uh, open sandwiches. And uh, to add on the green elements, we do a lot of microgreens on top of them. So it's it's a mix of the unhealthy with a bit of a you know, sprinkle of health on top. So, I, you know, everything, I think from the time I've had my child, it has been about making it uh, okay for them also. Yeah. Things that are, um, you know, kid-friendly or as a mother, I would approve of. It has this to is
0: quite happen. interesting because I don't, I, I don't know if I've told you this before, but in Mysore, uh, there is this bakery called a Sapa Bakery.
1: Oh, yes, I've been following them
0: yeah which uh, i for me it's one of the best bakeries in the country and um, i remember i had gone there uh, we had spoken over the phone and she wanted some kind of a coffee training and mm-hmm. she asked me to come over like to train the guys and this is again something that i found there in mysore and sapa bakery that whatever she made mm. i wouldn't say it is 100% exactly diet conscious or healthy yeah. but it was made from good ingredients good stuff
1: exactly.
0: and like really uh natural ingredients that Absolutely. any like the moment even if her daughter walks in her daughter is like five or five years or something or six years anytime she walks in and if she wants to eat something yeah can like she doesn't she have to think exactly. twice
1: exactly exactly so this has been our uh you know, I told you our reasons of moving were the kids and the, the whole idea of giving them a clean, healthy lifestyle and good food on the table and fresh air. All of this mattered. And we kept those principles alive at the resort. We don't add any colors to our food. We don't add any ingredients I would not approve of for my children. The oil used is nice, the spices are most of them are hand pounded right here in the property. So things like these which matter, which I know are adulterated in a city scene, I do make sure that they are differently done here. And so the concept at the cafe is also similar that, you know, at the end of the day, my kids also are kids. They also want to indulge in, you know, things once in a while. So when I take them there, I shouldn't be telling them, no, no, you can't eat this. I'm only selling this. This shouldn't be my answer to them. It will be very untruthful of me to do this. You know, I would want them to be honestly be able to eat whatever we're making there. So that has remained in both the places. No artificial colors, no preservatives, no artificial flavorings go in. The quality of ingredients must be top class that I can get here. And also the affordability. I don't think you remember the prices on my menu. Yeah,
0: it was not that expensive.
1: So I want people to come and I want them to try things. They can go back to the cities to pay the heavy (laughs) bills. But
0: but what is the point of keeping it affordable when Hmm. most of your customers are actually coming from that same place and paying their high price?
1: See, when they come here... Uh, like I said I no that was our previous conversation I always multiply it into four into five you know the when we grow go as a group especially when you're traveling it mounts up to quite a bit I want them to still indulge and try without really worrying about a very big will coming for the whole family of four or five people who've come to enjoy different different things and uh Another part is my expenses. This is not a city. My rentals are not that high. My uh, staff expenses are not so huge that I cannot meet them at this point. So I'm just simply passing it on to the customer instead of making a big buck out of it.
0: Uh, That's very honest and noble of you to do that. No,
1: No, not noble, but yes, honest. So there's some principles you know they've just come up with time of spending it all here and keeping it slow and conscious and you think about every decision before you really make it it's not only money minded everywhere so our commercials are sorted with the resort all of these are my uh, you know experiments or projects where uh, it's more like I said selfish that I really wanted a coffee community coming in here and getting good coffees and a place for people to chill where uh, there's no place like this uh, so far around they're all doing the -the run-of-the-mill food styles and uh, the same bad coffees and so yeah the quality mattered more than the the pricing here so I'll keep it like that as far as I can as you know as long as I can Mm -hmm. so Let's keep the fingers crossed. We need the volumes to keep it going.
0: Okay, I'm going to quickly ask you, what, what, according to you, is good coffee and what, according to you, is bad coffee?
1: Uh, <laughs> is there one answer to that at all?
0: Not, and hence the question.
1: Hence the question. So it changes, right? It changes yeah. with uh, a lot of factors. All my senses have to be involved. I have to be in the right frame of mind. Uh, the temperature of the room has to be right, I mean, it's endless, the number of things that make a good kappa are endless, uh, uh, whom am I having it with matters, quite a bit, you know, so.
0: So, you also do agree, like like me, that it's all about that experience
1: absolutely. in the
0: totality, rather than just that cup that is right in front of you
1: absolutely absolutely so yeah. my fondest mem- memories have been of my uh, london days as a you know a young adult living on her own and enjoying my coffee cup proudly literally in a starbucks and uh, sadly we did not have the you know s- selfies and uh, the concept of showing off then <laughs> i would i should have clicked some you know But yeah, so those were my proudest days of enjoying a cup. Right now, uh, it is more uh, of just finding that few minutes to myself and doing something only for myself. It's my selfish act right now. So my motives have changed, but it has been around coffee and the journey has been interesting so far. I've had very bad coffees with very interesting people and enjoyed them thoroughly. And very good coffees with very rude people and like, what the hell? I don't...
0: Yeah.
1: Coffee's I, bad. Maybe the coffee's bad.
0: I can I can totally uh, understand that that concept and I totally, totally believe in it. I also believe in that, uh, like for example, uh, I don't know, somebody had asked me some time ago, like when I'm traveling on the road, like mm-hmm. when I'm on, on my motorcycle um, and you're going long distance, and on the roadside you normally have the small shop that is serving coffee or tea. That coffee mm-hmm. is normally instant coffee or the tea is like curry uh-huh. the tea. But that is exactly what you will enjoy. I don't think at the same place is place somebody has set up a, a place that can probably serve like a Chemex or a Siphon. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would be able to enjoy that in that setup. Setup,
1: right. But every
0: yeah. setup has its own... Uh, kind of a coffee dedicated to it. I, I, I feel like that. And I, th- I think I think the place that you have your cafe, it is pretty much like in the middle of nowhere. And right. when you come to that junction and you see that, okay, there's this, there's this nice cute little cafe here and and you go in. I swear to God, if there was a siphon or if there was a, one of these complicated coffee methods there, I think I would have not enjoyed it as much yeah. as I did. Uh, with that uh, humble French press, right? And and I think I think that is the that is the part of having the experience there.
1: Exactly, exactly. One so
0: more know. interesting uh, thing was so I remember there were like two staff working there, mm-hmm. and um, there was this friend of one who had designed the small paper with the recipe yes. of coffee.
1: Yes.
0: Tell tell us a little, little about that. What was it, and how did you come up with it?
1: So. Um... These people who work at the cafe, I don't think they they had ever seen a coffee bean before they came to work for us. So a journey for somebody who knows nothing to somebody who's making good cups for you. Uh, we had to basically uh, make it smoother for them to understand with whatever language works for them. So we, first of all, we got somebody from Nagpur, from a cafe there, three beans, and Mohit was very kind enough to come in and he took a training for all my staff. He got in a lot of variety of beans. He made them smell them, he made them taste them, we cupped a few cups here and there, and he showed us a few varieties of, you know, ways of making the cups. And post that... He gave us a recipe okay this is how for somebody who does not know anything about it this is the rule book so you make take these these many grams of coffee beans this much uh, water and this is how long you have to seep it in and this is how you can serve it so now even that most basic thing we wanted them to remember it every time they make the cup so there are no mistakes and uh, eventually it will come to them right so because even their idea of coffee so far was the milk-based uh, and instant coffees that they've ever had because they're all tea drinkers around here. So to just make them cup, that was like, this coffee hoti hai. It was a challenge in itself. So I said, hai, it can't be ingrained in them so fast. Let's get them something that they can rely upon and we can trust that, okay, this will come out to be a decent cup. So we made a small uh, you know on a small piece of paper we drew the illustrations of what a french press looks like because it was being confused with the french fry can you imagine that
0: i can i yeah <laughs> go ahead
1: so we drew a french press then we drew how much coffee should we put the grams written, the coffee beans drawn. So it's like, you know, their uh, memory is more graphic than more uh, theory that, okay, I have to read all this. And then, like any kid, you know, when you say A and you make an apple, you'll remember better. So we drew everything down and we wrote it in Hindi so they understand it. There's no scope of going wrong there. So we made sure. That's what and we, we made sure foolproof. Foolproof, yes, we really made it foolproof, how to do a French press right, how many minutes, what grams, what temperature, everything. There's no scope of going wrong there. Then we did the same with all our cold brews, how to make a cold brew first, and then how to use the cold brew in different preparations and what goes and how many grams and everything. Everything's written in two languages there, one where it arrives in English with, and then we write it down in Hindi for them. So now we do get very good uh, reviews, by the way, for our coffees. And uh, people appreciate these two guys who are working very hard and who knew nothing about it a while ago. And they're doing fairly well.
0: I was very, very, very impressed with that uh, small sheet of paper with the diagram and everything. I think that is how people should... Literally, I mean, I was so happy. I was so if there was
1: thing. a book like, you know, ABCD of coffee, I think that is how it should begin. This Absolutely. is what it looks like this is uh, these are your machines and everything should be graphically made for people and I think so it's easy
0: to see. relate, right? And easy to remember. And that's how simple things should be, rather than making more complicated. And that so is. So something... I could figure
1: it. You know, the first day they were being trained, they were pretty scared. Hmm. Just looking at all the equipments and oh god, this is so much of information to understand in one go. So for the first few days, we simplified it. Okay, you don't brew the coffee. The cold brews, I'll make it and I'll send it to you. And you just you know prepare it, take one step at a time. And Now they're pretty thorough with it.
0: Nice. Okay, so uh, now last couple of questions. Mm-hmm. A, uh, from living the, the fast-paced life mm-hmm. and now living in uh, this quieter place in the forest for seven years, tell us the two most positive change
1: mm-hmm.
0: and two things that you miss
1: okay so the positives would be time a lot of time to do the things i want to do and ponder upon you know reflect upon and it's not as slow as you would think by the way it is It does, we are still in hospitality. We are working seven days a week. It is not slow by any means on that level, on that uh, front. What by time I mean is we don't indulge in, um, you know, senseless TV viewing or socializing with people we don't really want to see, uh, you know, and we have selfish motives of, oh, I have to hang out with them because they give me business or they help me network or things like these so time is one liberty which we have now to spend the way we want we want to make it fruitful we want to learn a new skill a language or whatever that uh, we have the time and uh, if we really want to just you know laze around again we have the liberty to do that so the time is there the flexibility is there and the awareness, I would say the positive, the second part is awareness. Quite a lot of it has come by being close to nature. Things we take for granted in a city setup, uh, I think we underestimate nature quite a bit. We think we are bigger than nature, which is absolutely, absolutely, you know, an illusion that you have in your minds. And uh, it's best that we come to terms with this and understand this the fastest we can. So we have learned this over the last few years with our experiences, how time changes, how, uh, you know, seasons change. And, you know, it is a certain time of the year by a certain leaf falling on the ground. So all of this awareness comes only when you're close to nature. So these have been my two absolutely positive uh, changes and, uh, Negatives, I would say I am a little more distant from city problems now. I cannot take a maybe by knee eye conversation anymore. It does, just just <laughs> irritates me to the core. I'm like, go f- do your work yourself. I'm sorry. am I supposed to swear on the podcast? Can I it's Okay? So yeah, I can't take f- conversations anymore, and that leaves me with little less patience for people like that. So yeah. That's my negative, I would say. One second, uh, food. I love food and I don't get to indulge in it as much as I would like. I do make everything I can at home. But then there are experiences that uh, I would want my kids to have uh, more frequently than I can do right now. Which we catch up when we go back to the city for our breaks. So okay. the, the number of days I'm in the city, my meals are... Uh, Restaurant A for breakfast, restaurant B for dinner, restaurant C for so this meal. And I have like in-between meals also just to fill in all the restaurants that I've skipped and I want to really uh, try out.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So yeah, I'm just eating when I'm in the city.
0: And, and uh, okay, now two more somehow related questions. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued with this, okay. <laughs> um, one, so now that you guys are staying in, in this place and you have more control on what kind of food you guys are eating. I'm assuming it's more, uh, not a lot of junk food. That's something that I'm expecting or I'm just thinking in my head. So Mm -hmm. when you go to the city, Mm -hmm. when you go to the city uh, with your family and your kids there, Mm
1: -hmm. do you Mm -hmm.
0: see that difference in food choices amongst other kids and your kids? Oh, Um,
1: yes. Oh, yes. So, given a day ask my child if he wants to what does he want to eat he would say a curd rice but uh, ask a city kit for the same it would probably a burger or a french fry or something uh, that their parents have used as quick fixes for keeping them happy so that difference plus i think there's a lot of difference in their energy levels Because they have been around in nature for so long and they're like out there running all over the place for the longest time. And we don't really control their timings like that. So they have a lot of uh, freedom to choose what they do with their days. And uh, okay, it's too sunny, don't go. It's too cold, don't go. We don't do this. So they are already choosing a lot of things for themselves. So this decision-making that we really leave up to them they, they have the you know right brains to choose a lot of things by themselves, but if you have to really trust them to do that. So yeah. the city kids, I think, are really pampered in that sense and they rely on the parents who are quite a lot of what they can do and not do. So that plus the food choices, yes. It's uh, like when they go to the city, we also want them to enjoy different foods and indulge really. So yes, that exposure, I think it's, you know, when you are, uh, when you've lived all over the world as my own self, I think it's very important they are okay adjusting to any situation or any uh, kind of a setup. So for the same reason is why I say that I do want them to get that experience as well, like a city child, but then making that a part of their lifestyle in the long run, I think it's a big no-no. There's so many kids with so many kind of diseases already. And they're all lifestyle diseases adults my goodness i can't even come to that it's like another level of problems altogether um i have i have nobody i know in my life who does not have pcos and pcod and you know all sorts of problems but they're all lifestyle disorders and they can be cured if taken care of but then nobody talks of that you know there's a whole industry waiting for you to fall ill so they can give you medicines all your life so yeah, you are stuck basically in the rut. You're just going in circles. I am ill. I need medicine. I, I get ill further. I need more medicine. So they just can't help it.
0: Very interesting. Uh, the second question, how do you manage the schooling for the kids?
1: So we homeschool them. Uh, the elder one is seven years and he is enrolled in a CBSE school uh, in the village itself. So he does give his exams from there, but uh, he does not go to school. He's never been to school. He, we do, do have tried a few times to send him. And of course, after his own approval, that he says, yes, I would go. So we have taken him, but we see that his interest phases out in the next 10, 15 days with the same routine and the same things. So we are teaching him here, uh, math, science, English. And he learned a bit of coding. He learned chess very recently. So you know, so the options are uh, much more wider here because he has the liberty of choosing time of how he does. Last thing, a lot of people have actually switched to homeschooling due to the pandemic. Now we were already uh, doing it earlier. So a lot of them actually, you know, got in touch with us. How you've been doing this? Listen, you need time, space, patience. It takes a lot of all of this. It's not easy. So, a lot of parents now have time and they're figuring out things about the children now, which is amazing. I have spoken to so many friends of mine who are like, you know, I have had time to talk to my child recently, very recently, and I figured he's not a bad child at (laughs) (laughs) talking. Like, yeah, they've never been bad children. You've been bad parents for not giving them time or listening to them attentively, you know. You've been too busy with the world. So... Um, I think it's a very good thing. It's got, it has got its own blessings for a lot of people.
0: And uh, how difficult is it for parents to homeschool?
1: I would say it's pretty difficult. You really need a continuous uh, dedication. One parent at least must be committed to this uh, on a daily basis. Not the whole day, but uh, you have to plan their lessons. You have to make sure that they're learning and getting better. Uh, the whole idea of homeschooling is that you are more uh, in, you know, aligned to what the child requires. So for in a school, when I am in a certain standard, I have to finish that coursework and that's it. But in a homeschooling setup, I have to keep in tune with the, what the child is already learning very fast and go to the next level or go back to the basics of something that they've not really you know, understood well. So it all comes through patience. You have to hear. You have to be there listening to them every day. Okay, this is what they've understood and this is what they really need uh, a, re, a vision of.
0: But like being a parent
1: mm-hmm. and
0: being a teacher,
1: oh god
0: doesn't that doesn't that create that uh i don't know some kind of a relationship yes, I, I,
1: yes you yes. need a lot of so space it ha- yes uh, so we have to draw the line there are hours dedicated to teaching and where we are not the parent we are a teacher this uh can you know confuse the child quite a bit So you have to come up with innovative ways of teaching and homeschooling might not always necessarily mean that you are the teacher. You can get in expert teachers from anywhere. So we do bring in teachers for the chess lessons. He has somebody from Bombay who's teaching him online. We are not teaching them everything. So then, you know, you basically ruining your own relationships with the child because he's very confused and he does not understand that what happened an hour ago you were disciplining me about something and now you're like, let's go play. The kid cannot understand that. So uh, the teacher role has to be very well balanced there and has to be, you know, you give in sometimes and you make them give in sometimes. It has to be played fair. But I think it's amazing because you get to learn so much about them when you're doing this. They talk about such beautiful things, their insecurities, their uh, understanding and perception of what you think you've taught, but what they have understood is like, okay, you need to you know come down and understand as a child yourself it's a very nice learning curve for the parents as well
0: interesting wow now this is for people who would like to probably i don't know visit your place uh, yeah. uh, your resort or uh, if they want to do a booking if they want to get in touch with you to probably visit cafe how do how do they get in touch with you what is the what is the way to do that
1: so we our uh, basement Page, this is the tiger reserve. You can come for tiger safaris. You can come for food experiences with me. I very recently curated something for a group from Bombay where we took them foraging to the forest. We collected food, we cooked with it. I took them to the local community, the Gond tribes, and we cooked a meal along with them. So there are various things you can do. I have had people bringing in their children to experience rural life, take them for a village walk and a village tour, bullock cart rides, meet uh, people from the forest services who man the forest, who have experiences of uh, you know uh, man-animal conflicts and who've seen all of this growing up. So there are loads of stories being told around and uh, many experiences that uh, city folk does not really get to uh, witness so you can come in we have a website tigerinwoods.com tigernwoods.com, and then we have instagram pages for all our businesses tigerinwoods is there then earth song is my cafe and the shop you can uh, follow us there then uh, we do in a, a project with the local women here called Prana Superfoods, where we make things in the rustic manner, hand-pounding them, hand-grounding them. So that's called Prana Superfoods. That's also on Instagram. So yeah, these are our ways of keeping busy in the jungle and doing the most of what nature has given us.
0: Wow, that's like a lot of things going on there in that uh, quieter area. Uh, I will put the uh, links uh, in the show notes as well. So if you have to get in touch with her, uh, the place is beautiful. I've only visited the cafe next time. Probably when I go there, I'll also visit the resort. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was just really, really amazing. And I'm really thankful that you did uh, get in touch with me while I was on the trip and we happened to meet and it was really, really, uh, for me, it was so amazing to meet somebody like you. And I'm also thankful that we could do that on a podcast so that more people can listen to this and uh, probably get in touch with you with anything. Uh, I don't know, anything right from living or abandoning the city life, living in <laughs> the forest to homeschooling and probably also uh, coffee. So that could be oh, interesting. So thank you very much.
1: Coffee, coffee. I would still suggest you get in touch with uh, Vinny instead of me because I'm also learning And, uh, but for the rest, yes, I'm available. (laughs) Please
0: get in touch. Definitely. Thank you very much for being on the show. I really, really enjoyed speaking with you.
1: Thank you, Vinny. Thank you so much.
0: So, guys, uh, that is it. And that was the episode that we have for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed um, this particular episode as well. And if you did enjoy, please do like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Um, and consider uh, leaving a review on the Apple podcast or the Spotify or wherever you're listening your current podcast. It would really mean a lot to me and would help me reach more people. Uh, if you do have any suggestions or feedback, please do get in touch with me via my Instagram DM um, or just an email or WhatsApp uh, if you have my number. Thank you very much for your support so far. Keep safe. Uh, stay healthy drink a lot of coffee and like always let's make coffee simple